welcome back, everybody. This uh, this show is quickly becoming a Washington Capital-centric podcast this season. Uh, we'll have to switch things up here moving forward, I think. A little bit of variety, but my guest today uh, is the host of the Washington Capitals pre- and post-game shows, a California native who graduated from Texas Christian University, and uh, she began carving her broadcasting path before she'd even graduated high school. Welcome to the show, Alexa Landestoy. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Where are you at right now? Are you in uh, D.C.? Yep. Washington, D.C. An off day currently for the Capitol schedule. You said your podcast is turning into a Washington one. I saw you got <laughs> Carl Alsner on. So so we love it. The D.C. connection's going strong. Yeah. Yeah. Out here in Vancouver, I think people are getting a little sick of uh, of the content, but uh, you know the Canucks aren't doing great either. So it's, it's kind of, uh, I got to give the people something. Um, how's life in that pocket of the world these days for you? It's doing amazing. And it's funny you bring up Vancouver because I went this summer, my husband and I went out there for the first time and went to Canada for the first time and fell in love with Vancouver. So I definitely want to find myself coming back there, maybe going to a game as well. I don't travel with the team, but uh, it was such a beautiful place. We absolutely loved it. Did you check out Whistler? We did. We did the Sea to Sky Highway, Sea to Sky okay. Gondola. That was amazing. Went through Whistler. Uh, did the grouse grind hike because all of my analysts, Alan May, told me I need to go beat the hockey record. And halfway up, I think I FaceTimed him and said that I absolutely hate you. I don't know if I hate <laughs> you or love you for making uh, me do that. I wasn't prepared for what that was going to be like. But no, just the views, the nature, the city, the people, the food. We absolutely loved it. I think we do have the best sushi in like North America, I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, the uh, the 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 grouse grind is something I've done once and I was, I was like, yeah, I was like never again. Um, I know the, I know the Canucks use that for their, uh, as part of their, their training camp. So they're, they're quite used to it. So Alan May though, I'm thinking when would he have done it? He must've been 20, 30 years ago. He would have given it a shot, I guess. Well, yeah, but I think for a time pre COVID he would go on some of the caps road trips with the Mm. team and be in between the glass. So I think the times that they went out there, he would go, um, and do it with all the TV truck guys. So yeah, he's made his way a few times recently. Okay. All right. Well, um, let's get into, I want to get into your career, but, uh, we should start off with, uh, the Washington Capitals, uh, team plagued by injuries so far. Um, I mean like half the teams on IR, I'm pretty sure Alan May is probably going to get a 10 day contract the way things are going just to come back for a little bit. Uh, what's what's the feeling around the team right now? How are they uh, how are they protecting the guys, so to speak? Yeah, it's so tough because that we knew we would start the year with no Backstrom or Wilson, and then after that, the injuries just keep piling on, and also no Carl Hagelin as well. And then Connor Brown goes down, which he was such a big pickup this off season. Getting him, he was playing on our top line in the preseason, so he goes out. We now know he tore his ACL and had reconstruction surgery. John Carlson, T.J. Oshie. Like Malenstein recently. I mean, the list goes on and on with these with these injuries. And I think the tough thing for us fans here in D.C. is a year ago at the beginning of the season, this is exactly what happened. We were in the same position. All these guys were plagued due to injury. The young players had to step up. All the rookies came up from Hershey and had to help contribute. It's a good thing that it was the next minute mentality, but at the same time, you want some of these veterans to get those key minutes and can contribute for the team. So it's definitely uh, plagued the start of this season. We squeaked out a few points here and there, but would have wanted more. Um, but, you know, head coach Pierre Laviolette always says there's no excuses. So they try not to focus on that. 
but it's definitely tough when you look and this team is one of the oldest in the league, you know, that this is happening. It's not a good recipe right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same age as John Carlson, and that's why I'm like, if he's hurt, like I, I get out of bed and I'm sore. I can't imagine being an NHL player, but uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been tough, and I, I would love to uh, I'd love to see them go for a second cup run. But there's a really talented kid out of North Vancouver that's projected to go first overall this year, so it's like one or the other. Like I'll take uh, I'll take the silverware or the first overall pick if if we can get it. Um, yeah, I love that. Yeah, the Caps, ever since we won the Stanley Cup, we've been bouncing the first round of the playoffs. So definitely not what we're liking. We want to get past that hurdle. Um, so hopefully, you know, just get healthy and we'll find ourselves there again. I know we're only a couple weeks into the season, but Alex Ovechkin right now is leading the team in goals. Uh, last night scored, we're, we're recording this November the 4th, and I think last night he scored uh, to surpass Gordie Howe's record for most goals with one single team. Um it's every year we get the talk of is this going to be the year we finally see Alex Ovechkin score 25 because he'll regress he's already off to a hot start are we possibly in for another 50 goal season do you think or or in that 40 to 50 range at least yeah no I think so if if health you know continues to be on his side it's crazy we talk about it year 18 and the guy never seems to slow down also in Detroit big night he tied Gordie Howe for most of the single franchise so it was really cool that he did it in Detroit. Uh, Gordie Howe's son, Mark, was in attendance because they were honoring the 97 Cup team with the 25th anniversary. So he got to meet Obi for the first time. It was really a really cool, like, full circle storybook type of moment. And I think now as Caps fans really want Obi to break the record at home at Capital One Arena. We're rocking the reverse retros on Saturday versus the Coyotes. That would be pretty cool as well in the throwback jerseys. But yeah, I mean, he just continues to put up numbers year after year. Uh, it doesn't matter who's with him, what, how he's doing it. It's in the power play at his office that everyone knows it's coming, but somehow you can't seem to stop the guy. So it's just, he just keeps exploding. And I think what we always say is just, if he can remain healthy, um, he will get get those marks and get to all those milestones. But every night covering Ovi, it's milestone after milestone. He's now only two behind Wayne Gretzky for most goals on the road. I mean, like this guy, it's so many different milestones that you don't even know exist, but they're out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. We always find the the obscure stats, right? It's, you know, um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And it, whatever he's taking to stay healthy, they need to find a way to give that to the rest of the team, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Seriously, we, we need yeah. that. Yeah, you had a pretty good flex on your Instagram this year to to start off. Uh, you and the grade eight sitting down. Uh, what's he like? You know, kind of. I, I feel like when the cameras are on, obviously, most hockey players become a little bit robotic. Uh, a few years ago, I think we saw what happens if you maybe give him too much to drink and he goes swimming in fountains and that kind of thing. But when you're just sitting down with him, ready to do a, a preseason interview, um, is he? pretty aloof and and, you know I'm sure he's aware of how many goals he has how many goals he needs uh, and so on and so forth to chase this record but when you're sitting down with him like that what's he like when the cameras aren't rolling oh he's the best like an awesome guy so relaxed he just loves the game of hockey and you can tell he's just having fun I know from interviewing him quite a few times that you know he doesn't like to talk about himself and the individual milestones of course, everyone knows that they're there and he knows it as well. But I think it's one of those things it's like, hey, I don't want to be talking about this night in and night out. And also, 
it's, hey, this is also a team game. Like, I want us to win another Stanley Cup, and this is important to me. So he's definitely a guy that, you know, these things matter, but he would want the team to have success first and overall. But I think people may be surprised. I think you think of some of the greats, they're so serious. And Ovi is just such a fun, loving, happy guy, like always having fun on the ice, like teasing the guys. You see the clips on social media of their pregame antics in the hallway like it's just such a fun group of guys they've been together for a long time so I think that he has those milestones in his head but he's not always focusing on them um but obviously is happy when he achieves them but I will say the one thing he always talks about is when I've asked him hey did you always know you were gonna you wanted to be with one franchise or stay in one place and and he said maybe he didn't know at the beginning, but now he knew as his career went on. Like, D.C. was where he wanted to be. He only wanted to play for two teams, the Dynamo back at home for him and the Washington Capitals. So it's a pretty cool story. He means a lot to this city, uh, and we say it's a hockey town because of him. And that was actually going to be something I wanted to ask you just because you work in D.C. Uh, I don't follow baseball too much. I, I, I know that there was the guy, I think Zimmerman was his name, and, and yep. the Nationals, who's also an icon in Washington sports. But um, – I mean, what's considering, you know, uh, Ovechkin's this, this Russian transplant coming over too. Uh, how's the city still embracing him to this day? Like, is he, I'm assuming he still can't go out and grab a coffee somewhere without being swarmed. Yeah, no, I don't think he can. People want to find his spots and they don't know. But yeah, he <laughs> is just a guy that is such, if you think of DC, you think of him. You mentioned Ryan Zimmerman, Mr. National. Um, that's another guy up there on the list. But I think just the winning culture that the Capitals have brought and also the happiness to the city the team has brought um, so many amazing memories. And that's why the team just latches on to him um, and been able to be at the forefront of seeing all those milestones and the success. But I think he's a normal guy when you would see him out. I feel like whenever you see him, you always see he takes pictures with the fans. It's always helping them. I think he went out to the commanders game recently and like couldn't even step two steps without someone wanting to take a picture. So uh, it would be interesting to spend a day with him to see how many people, you know, stop him. But I definitely know he makes time for everyone. Um, and he is a figure here in DC that if you saw him, people would know, or you, you know, you're walking the street and there's a Capitol shirt or a Capitol's logo, like OV and the Capitals mean a lot, a lot to this, to this city. Yeah. hundred percent. And, uh, I'm, I'm kind of looking at the division um, right now in the, the Metro, the Flyers, you know, they're playing okay, uh, probably better than I think most people mm -hmm. felt they would. Uh, Rangers and the Devils are off to great starts. What do you think Washington needs to do to get back kind of in the playoff picture? Aside from being healthy. I know. Yeah, literally. It's like stay healthy, uh, get the points when we can. The thing we've been talking about recently is just for us playing a full 60. You know, we went into the game last night in Detroit, uh, tied going into the third. We give up two unanswered. That's just been what's been happening in the third period, just kind of some letdowns or let one goal in or maybe take a bad penalty at the wrong time. So for us, I think health is obviously most important, getting these guys back healthy and having rosters be consistent every night, um, but also just playing the full 60. And whether that's the first period, the middle 20, or the third period, we just need to string that all together. Um, I think that's been something that we just haven't been able to do, or maybe with a lead, we, we let things slip there at the end. So I think just keeping the foot on the gas for a full 60, playing a little bit better at home. Well, like I say now, I, when we're on our meetings too, and I'm always the positive-ish thinker, but it's like you watch the World Series, and if the one guy doesn't make this incredible catch, the Phillies go on to beat the Astros there at the last game in Philadelphia. And 
And it's like we're one player. We almost scored and beat the Vegas Golden Knights in regulation, but it you know it was one second too late, and we go to overtime and we lose. Like this game is just so professional sports. It's it's like one play, one luck of the draw, one this, one post hit, and you're a win away or two points away, or the storylines are all different. So sadly, the storylines I think have been going the wrong way for us recently. So we just need to start getting some luck on our side and um, some good things happening for us to get the points and just not take ourselves out of that playoff picture. Absolutely. And, and speaking of storylines, are there any other storylines around the league that you guys are paying attention to? I think the one for us, like, and you kind of mentioned it with the divisions, but you're seeing teams that were young before, like the Devils or maybe the Sabres have been playing some good games, like teams that before were just not in the talk are now these young teams that have developed and are now winning these games or at the top of division. So um, I think that's been something we've been keeping tabs on and a storyline that we've been following that, hey, these teams that maybe weren't that big of a deal before are now coming to be their time. So we just have to step up and, and keep making our names in the conversation as well. Yeah, and that's kind of the the pendulum, right, of, of the NHL, like Pittsburgh, Washington. I mean, Tampa still kind of gets it done, but a lot of the teams that were winning and successful were – drafting low first round kind of thing. And then you're right. New Jersey is the, the first team mm-hmm. that came to my mind too. when I, I thought of this, uh, cause he sure like they, they played Edmonton last night. They came back with in the last five minutes to win it and he sure and Brat and Hughes and, and all these young talents. And, and like you said, you're starting to see them pop up. Um, so hopefully some of the, the Washington players, uh, Connor McMichael, Hendricks Lapierre, and those guys can, can make the jump sooner rather than later to, uh, to full-time impact NHLers, hopefully. Yeah, um, yeah. We just called up Sonny Milano, so we've got we've got some young yeah. guys: Lucas Johansson, Garrett Pilon. Also, just got called up, so we'll see. But yeah, we need these young players, and especially on our side of things as well. You mentioned our team's getting older, so we need these young guys to kind of rise to that occasion. Yeah, you took the job at NBC a couple of years ago, and and joined the crew with, uh, I mean, Alan May, Craig Lachlan, Joe Beninati. Um, a, a pretty diverse group of personalities to, uh, in a way. And, and so what were your first impressions of those guys? Yeah, well, I came to this job um, summer of 2019. I moved here to D.C. And originally my job was hosting a nightly sports talk show. Post-COVID, there were some shakeups at the network and they moved me over to the Capitals role. So I had known what these guys' personalities were like, but obviously it's different working with them night in and night out. They have the bigger than life personalities. All of them have covered the Capitals for so long, are so knowledgeable. The fans absolutely love them. So I just walked into such a great situation, just guys that were very welcoming, wanting to kind of teach me things and, and help me improve in different ways or be introduced to the fan base. Um, and what I say is we just have so much fun now on and off the air. It's like we're sitting there watching the game. It's the same thing you'll see in the intermissions or the pre and post game shows as well. So it's my third season now. It's been an absolute pleasure working with those guys. Like I mentioned, I was kind of that newest addition to this crew that had been together for a long time. Um, but they're just so beloved by, you know, the team, Joby and Locker. We celebrated 25 years of them calling the Capitals last season. I mean, they're just legends in the city. You mentioned, oh, we walking around with Joby and Locker walk around. The fans know them as well. Um, and then just Alan May with me and my main analysts on our shows is, so knowledgeable, so knowledgeable on the caps, the information um, was such a great resource for me and like a mentor, like a, you know, that, that another father figure for me here. It's like all of those things wrapped up into one. It's just been, I tell everyone, like the best thing that ever happened to me personally and professionally, never thought 
didn't know where the job was going to lead me. And I'm so thankful it led me here because I absolutely love it and the organization as well. Yeah. Speaking of Joe B though, uh, his, his suit game this year has been, uh, he's batting a thousand. Like, I don't know if this is him dressing himself yeah. or NBC picking this out for him, but there have been a couple of times where you and Alan are talking and then the camera pans to the booth. And I, I don't even hear what Joe's saying. I'm too busy admiring the jacket. So yeah, is, well, is listen, that, is that's that NBC thing. doing that? Yeah, no, that's, that's all Joe. He, and he'll tell you, if you asked him, you would know his whole designer suits is that like he is on it knows his game we ask him for some fashion advice but that's a thing here you may maybe recently mentioned it but here we've got blogs and all the sites like every game it's like the suits of the night you know like showcasing oh. what they're wearing because it's a it's a big deal yeah here with the fan base so yeah <laughs> the style is one or you had carl alsner i do like an outfit of the show picture every time on social media every game and i know carl he's been on our show a few times as a guest analyst and he uh enjoys the suit game as well so it's like us broadcasters you, you got to look good to uh play the part yeah well and, and i was gonna ask you is, is there you know much like the players have their pre-game routine uh are, do you have you know do you have like the pre-show routine take a pre-show nap right shoe goes on first all the time or you know is there anything <laughs> that you do that you're just like this is my game you know i gotta be ready yeah no i absolutely love that because I, I am very superstitious or i was an athlete back in the day so i would do all those things like all right this pre-rep didn't work we're going to another another sock uh i think the only <laughs> one my big one now that i do and actually the fans caught on and it was actually locker saying it on air is the reason it took off but at one point i always wear my hair normally down and curls that's just how i always wear it and uh one of the games i'm like all right we, we lost a few last season i'm like i just need to switch it up here so i went with like a high pony and I think Locker mentioned on air, you know, like the power pony worked, Alexa, you got to wear it again. And so then it became a thing. Like I wear the hair up if we need a little bit of a, some juice or something changing. And it took off last season. So I even had fans sending me them wearing the power pony. So that's, <laughs> if I had one, maybe it would be my thing. And I break out, if you see the pony, you know that the Capitals need to get something going. <laughs> Well, and that, that actually, you, you took away the, uh, the question that my, my source, uh, had given me, which was, he said, he, he all he, all he said was, you got to ask her about the power pony. So the power Aww. pony is like a rally cry. That's, that's what you're saying. It's the good luck charm yes. to, to kind of turn the ship. Yes. I blame Craig Luckman. Yeah. On air during the crossover of the game. He's like, all right, Alexa, the power pony worked. We got to see it tomorrow. <laughs> and then I'm like, all right, I got to bring it out. The tough part for me comes when oh, great, we win those two or something. And it's like, when do you let the pony go? Like, do I have to keep wearing the pony <laughs> until we lose the next time? Or sometimes, like, my head just hurts so bad from the thing. I'm like, oh. And then also I'm thinking it started as a cute, you know, thing for me to do. But I'm also like, I don't need to take – it's not my pony, like, changing everything for the team. You know, it's them. So it's like, I don't want to bring this attention. Like, it's just the pony as well. But it's been a fun thing, and it's funny that uh, Carol Alsner sent that to you. Yeah, because that's uh, my fun little component that I bring to the show. <laughs> Yeah, well, hey, you know what? That's the part of being the superstitious, uh, you know, like you said, former athlete like yourself. And I was that way when I played hockey. It was always, you know, this has to happen first and that kind of thing. But, I mean, you just kind of mentioned the the whole if I stop doing it and then the team loses, like, it's that guilt, like that feeling. Like, yeah. even watching <laughs> hockey sometimes, I'm like, I have to do X, Y, Z. And if they yeah. lose, like, I've, I've literally turned the channel onto the game, the other team scores, and I'm like, I, I got to. I got to turn the game off. I'll watch the next one because whatever happened there, it's not good. It's not, uh, yeah. it's not, it's bad juju. 
<laughs> do what you did before. Yeah. Cause it's that. No, I, I feel, I feel like any athletes are like that or hockey players especially are like that. I think we did a piece during the playoffs. I was trying to ask our veteran guys about what they do. And even Oshi told me like, I can't tell you, you know, some of my things. It's like, no, it's like a superstition for a reason. So we can't always talk about what we do. So I respect that too. Sometimes you can't always say what you do. What are some of the things that uh, that go on behind the scenes when you're on the broadcast that viewers maybe don't know or they don't understand? Um, such as, I mean, preparation going into the show. Like how, you know, how long does that take to just get ready for the the pre the pre-show? Yeah, I think I always say sports broadcasting are in this world. It's like a 24-7 type of job. You know, I'm always got sports on TV. I'm watching something. I'm staying up on the storylines and the headlines. But most of the time we have meetings the day before game day, kind of going over our topics. And then on a game day, it's just wake up and either go out to morning skates if it's here or watch via Zoom. Um, the coaches speak, some of the players talk. And then it's my time to kind of get into, we call it a rundown where all the stories are for our shows and I get in there and kind of organize my thoughts. We don't use teleprompters for our shows, but I like to write out all my things into what we call the iNews and the scripts because I have a photographic memory, I like to say. So if I write it down, I feel like it goes into my brain easier. Uh, so I, I get in there around noon on a game day, write everything in. We're in the studio around four, have a meeting with our producers, directors. I mean, there's so many things behind the scenes probably fans don't even realize to get the show yeah. off the ground. But then I've got normally an interview at five and then we're live at 630 for a pregame show. We're on at both intermissions and then an hour at the post game. Um, and I think the biggest thing that goes into this that I wouldn't say is a surprise to fans because it's, it's not a surprise. They would know this, but that makes the job challenging or also unique and always on your toes is with a live game. Like I can be as prepared as I want. I should know all the storylines and things, but you're going how the game is flowing. Like we we don't know, are we going to be up three, nothing? Are we going to be down three, nothing? Are we going to be tied? Are we going to go to overtime? So for me, it's just being prepared and, and set for knowing what's going on in all the storylines, but also being a good broadcaster, you know, you got to follow where the storylines take you or where do my analysts want this conversation to go? So I think that's an aspect that's makes this job exciting, sometimes challenging um, that we just always kind of have to be fluid with the game because that's what our, what our um, content is all around. I read, um, this is like going back a few years, but I read that it's not necessarily ideal, I think, for uh, broadcasters, reporters, whatever, to be interviewing people that they're a fan of, such as musicians, actors, that kind of thing. So, I mean, you've been at this a long time, but I'm sure, um, what was it like for you when you first started, let's say, starting with Washington, the Capitals? Um you're going into an interview with Ovechkin or Backstrom or whoever. Uh, what was that like for you? Was it a little overwhelming still, even though you're a professional to, to almost kind of reel it in and go, Oh my gosh, you know, cause I know for me, I've always said it's it's Ovechkin and Joe Sackerker are the only two people I think I would ever be a little bit like blown away by. Um, what was that like for you as the adjustment uh, coming in? Yeah. Well, you got to find yourself to come to DC. Maybe you get to meet Alex Ovechkin. Uh, that'd be pretty cool. But um, I'd be I'd be nervous. I'd be like <laughs> like first date nervous. That's how bad it would be. So, well, what's funny is I definitely um, for those big name guys like you're talking about, and really for any of the players in the Caps, you know, before an interview, I always have those nerves because it's just I want to I want to be the best. I want to have them, you know, the right questions for them. I also want to set them up to be successful. And what will they like? What will they not like? What's the outcome of this? What do the fans want to know? 
So there's things that go into my head where I'm kind of losing sleep sometimes over that to make sure everything goes well. I think once I'm there, I'm almost so in the zone, like game face, what I'm doing uh, and treat them almost like normal people. I think inside, you, you, yeah, like my mom's texting me, like you, you're interviewing Ovi, like this is <laughs> incredible. Like you don't always realize, I think in the moment, cause I'm just kind of focused on what I'm doing and the content. But then when I take a step back, I'm just kind of like, you know, I'm living my dream. This is what I always wanted to do. And I'm, these are guys that I grew up, you know, looking at or watching, playing, and now I get to interview them or I'm chatting with them about, you know, life or whatever. So it is really cool to take the step back. But to answer your question, I think when I'm in the moment, I'm so focused on what I'm doing. And then also, you know, just wanting to treat them like normal people, like they're like you and I. Yeah. Um, but I think when it comes to the grade eight, especially, I'm just kind of like, okay, don't waste this time to like make this, you know, make this good. <laughs> you don't always get this time. Um, so I, th I think that's kind of what goes into interviewing some of those players and those superstars. Yeah. Uh, let's get into your career. I mean, it, it's, it's not just that you run the desk for, for my favorite team, but it's, it's kind of, you know, looking into your story. Um, and I mentioned this in the intro, like you were in high school and you, you I, I want you to hopefully share a little bit more in depth about it, but I mean, pretty much from your, your website, you talk about how you were in high school and you sort of just came up with this idea on your own organically. Like, I'm going to do this all myself. I'm not going to wait for opportunity. I'm going to kick down the door and take it. Um, so, I mean, go into that a little bit. How old were you when you, you kind of realized this is what I want to do and, and what kind of caused you to, to just kind of grab it by the horns and, and run with it? Yeah, I think I always, I grew up in a big sports family. Uh, I played sports myself. I was a soccer player. And I always knew, like, I love sports. I love talking to people. I think around the time as a junior, senior in high school, when you're trying to figure out, um, you know, what do you want to major in when you go to college or university? What do you kind of, what career path do you want to go? I thought, you know what? I, like I said, I love, I love talking to people. I love sports. Let me put those two together. So my family growing up in Southern California, my uncle was a high school football coach. Every Friday, like all of my extended family would be at his games in the stands, and one of the Fridays, his coach knew, one of his assistants knew that I was thinking about majoring in sports broadcasting, and this is what I wanted to do. He said, well, why don't you just interview Malik, who was our quarterback at the time? Like, let's just start going. Why don't you interview someone today? I'm like, okay. So I think I sat in the stands, started going over some questions with my dad. And then after the game, we always go down to see my uncle on the field. And we went down and I interviewed the quarterback, you know, my dad recording on the iPad. I think I have that picture somewhere. I'm just in like jeans and this like casual outfit because I wasn't thinking I was on camera in quotes for this. But that's how it all started. And then that that year in high school, I followed all my uncle's games and would kind of then interview maybe the opposing team's quarterback or just go down the field and interview whoever was out there on the field. Created a YouTube channel. Honestly, at the time for me to just get practice editing clips and putting it out there. And really for like my aunts and uncles to see my videos of what I was doing. Yeah. I had no intention of anyone else seeing this. And this was at the start, I think, of Twitter taking off. This was in like 2014, 2015. Um, so I would put it on social media. I didn't have like a crazy amount of followers. It was really just for people to see. And from that, I had a, it was called Sports Recruits at the time, a company that would go around and kind of make these recruiting highlight tapes for these athletes to be seen by colleges. And they reached out. At the time, they thought I was like 28 doing it for a job. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm still in high school. Like, I got to go to my homecoming this week. Like, I can't, I'm not going to do interviews this week because I'm going to my high school dance. Um, 
But what I ended up doing with them from that, still being that senior in high school, I kept doing my interviews, but I would forward them the clips and they would post on their site and their website. And at the time they had, you know, 70,000 Twitter followers, which were way more than what I had. And then it took off from there that year applying to colleges, I ended up choosing TCU. That summer I went to Elite 11s, which is a big deal for high school quarterbacks um, to go to, to get seen would do interviews there, all with using that sports recruits, getting the media pass, being tied to something in quotes, which really I was like a nothing, just trying to figure things out. My mom and I on the field, you know, interviewing these high school athletes. And fast forward to college at TCU, I knew this was what I wanted to do. I absolutely loved, you know, my time experimenting with it in high school. So that's, I majored in sports broadcasting, minored in journalism, walked into the athletics office and started pitching some ideas that I had a big reason, long story short, the head football coach at TCU had been following me from doing those high school interviews because he was looking at those players. He brought me into his office, um, Gary Patterson, and said like, hey, what do you want to do? Like, we want to help facilitate. So that's I got in touch with the with the our social media digital team. As a freshman, I would just send them over ideas or write down <laughs> pitches in my spare time between classes. Got a lot of no's at the beginning because that was, again, it's crazy to think back, but like, Social media wasn't that important back then. Uh, like it was, but it wasn't what it is now. And fast forward, you know, two or so years, social media took off. Every university, you know, needs a good social media to try to recruit these players for their athletic department. So we created like two different shows. I became their sideline reporter, their in-stadium host, like all of these different opportunities, just never saying no. During that same time being a student in college, I interned at Fox Sports Southwest started as a intern logging games, thinking, what am I doing here? Um, and my mom just said, just be the best logger you can be. I went on there, made sure I was timely, kept in touch with all my bosses, would send them that work from TCU. And that turned into them saying, hey, would you go up and do high school football in Texas, which is like the biggest thing there. They do four hours of live coverage just for high school football, which is crazy to think about when you live outside of there. But they had me sending out doing sideline reporting for that, turned into a WNBA job. So working the Cotton Bowl, like there were so many different opportunities there at the time while still a student in college, which was crazy. Yeah. But uh, I just, you know, never said no to any opportunity, just kept following the passion. And uh, you mentioned it, but the thing I just tell anyone, just just go for it. Like if you have a passion, whether it's this or whatever business it is, like don't, you know, people think, oh, I need to be a part of Fox or TSN or, or you know, ESPN to be able to be a broadcaster. Like, no, go out there, get the reps, have your friend record you you know, do a stand up somewhere. And you'd be surprised who's looking. I had agents, I had, uh, you know, execs at different cable companies reaching out, just seeing my work via YouTube. So that's where just get your work out there. People will see it. Of course, you need the right people to give you opportunities. So that's how kind of I got to this point and post college got the job here in DC auditioned and that's where I'm at now, but that's, yeah, how it all started back in high school. Uh, if you're on my Instagram, you could probably go back to see those OG pictures of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's crazy because, uh, and I don't know how big of a deal he is in the United States, but up here in Canada, we have a guy, Steve Dangle, who is an absolute Psycho Leaf fan, and he did the same thing, and he was doing it back when YouTube started in like 2007. Okay. And he was just doing and kind of like what you were doing. He was just doing these leaf reaction videos, which were kind of hilarious because they were just always a bad team. And then it translated a few years ago where Sportsnet picked him up and they were like, we want you to be our kind of, you know, like on YouTube up here in Canada, Sportsnet will 
you can watch a Leafs game and it's just him live streaming it and commenting on it. And it's like oh the guy gosh. got a book deal. Now he's got a podcast network and it's, you know, and, and not to say for everybody, that's what happens, but I thought it was fascinating that a girl from Southern California is now running the desk for, for NBC Washington covering the Washington capitals. And I, you mentioned the time frame there, and I, I guess, you know, you're, you're obviously big into, uh, I'm assuming football, baseball, but 2014, 2015, the LA Kings were still pretty good. Uh, were you kind of on that wagon as well as a, a fan of that team? Yeah, I grew up big LA Kings fan. I know my parents were so jealous because they've waited their whole lifetime for the Kings to win the Stanley Cup. And I got two back like right in the same time frame uh, as in my teenage years. So yeah, recently it was a full circle moment when the Kings came to town and played the Caps. I kind of did a throwback to those times. So definitely grew up, you know, big Kings fan, a lover of all sports. Um, I think in broadcasting, I've learned you just kind of have to follow the job to see what opportunities are there. And now that I've made my way, you know, covering high school football, WNBA, college football, doing it all, making my way to hockey, I'm, I say, like, I would be so happy to stay in this the rest of my career. I mean, the guy, the, the guys you work with are awesome, the team, the sport. I mean, it's never a, never a dull moment. It's such an exciting sport to cover um, and fun to be a part of. Yeah. You did a little bit of work on the Olympics as well, right? Yeah, so with NBC, I got the call up to work the Tokyo Olympics. And to your point of just different ways in the business, they had me hosting the digital update desk. And of course, I said, yes, I want to be a part of any opportunity that is. It wasn't on linear television, but it was going to run on, you know, Apple News, YouTube, all the digital platforms. And then once I got up there and they kind of explained more, it turns out for the Olympics, this was actually a really big role to have because you know, events are happening overnight in Tokyo. Maybe you're not staying up to watch those. So when, when people woke up in the morning, they got their Apple News header and could watch my Tokyo Olympics, you know, under five minute update on all of the top highlights that happened overnight or while you were sleeping. And, you know, these videos got millions of views on YouTube, which yeah. was ridiculous, but uh, in such an awesome experience for me. So those are those ways of like you're saying, just there's alternate ways that broadcast or digital at, that they're all complementing each other nowadays. Yeah. I, and, and I was thinking about that. Um, I, I interviewed James Duffy last year and I asked him the same question, like the future of broadcasting. The, the one thing James said that I hadn't really, I mean, I should have thought about this, but I didn't was that sports are live, right? It's, you're never, there's always going to have to be somebody there to talk about it. Um, I mean, we're on different sides of the continent in different countries in the U S has it, have you been kind of given some insight as far as in the next three, four or five years, like this is where we, we want to go, maybe diversify our broadcasts or, or just anything like that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the biggest question everyone for the past few years has been, uh, you know, is TV going away? Are we going to streaming? What's going to happen? I like that point. I think, you know, live sports is always going to be a thing. We always need commentators. I think where we're going and what I've tried to do is, you know, now it's the whole package. You know, you need to be able to podcast or do social media or complement your show to bring viewers from your platform to your show on TV um, or things like sports betting. That's been incorporated into a lot of our, you know, shows. So how are we forward thinking in our broadcast? How are we bringing in the casual fan, but also the diehard fan? Um, and I just think, again, like, for me and I think for all broadcasters, just being able to to diversify and be able to kind of do it all is what people are looking for now. So be able to do all of those different things that they can all complement the one product, but it's important to know how to use it, 
maybe if I didn't know how to use these AirPods I'm wearing now, but uh, know how to use technology um, and all that. Going back to the Olympics for a second, you know, that was during a time where nobody could like leave their house. Um, I, I want to say the next Winter Olympics are in Italy. I, I could be wrong about that. I feel like it's yeah, I somewhere. I Paris is, yeah, I think it may be. Yeah. So, I mean, are, are you, are you volunteering for that job? Like, you know, I know, you yeah. need to go over there. Like yeah. I'll jump on that grenade guys. I'll you know, send yeah. me over there. Yeah. No, that's what I've been saying. When I look at the schedule head and they're even coming to LA at some point and I'm, I look at that and I'm just thinking, yeah, like sign me up. I'm right. Re- I'm ready to go to Paris, Italy, wherever you needed me to go. I'll be there. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's what it is. Any component I can work at and do, uh, you know, never saying no to that opportunity, but definitely there's worse places to be. So you'll take it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I wanted to just ask you a fun one here. Your, your dream three interviewers, uh, interviewees, I should say, who would be the, the three people in any, it doesn't have to be hockey. It can be anybody. Okay. I love this one. Three dream interviews. Okay. Well, maybe there's some listeners and I don't know if you watch drive to survive, but I'm really big into formula one right now. I'm like a diehard after watching that. I didn't know anything about the sport and now I'm absolutely obsessed. Um, so Charles Leclerc with the Ferrari driver. I say if I met him, to your question earlier, if I fangirl over some of the Caps players, I think I would really fangirl over him. I don't even know <laughs> if I could, yeah, no, I'll be professional. I would just be like, oh my gosh, I would I would be so starstruck. So let's go Charles Leclerc, the Ferrari Formula One driver. Um, I would say Alex Ovechkin, but I, I cover him. <laughs> so uh, let's, let's yeah. not go with that. Um, I grew up a big San Diego Chargers fan, now the LA Chargers. So back in the day, Antonio Gates, uh, their tight end, was my favorite player. I wore number 85 in soccer because of him. Um, and I always say if I played football, I would be a tight end because I could block, but I could also catch. So I could do I could do it all. Um, so let's go. Let's go Antonio Gates, Charles Leclerc. And then who's my third? Um, okay, let's think. My third... Probably Aaron Andrews in broadcasting. Let's go with the broadcasting one. Aaron Andrews. Yeah. To interview or maybe pick their brains. I think those three. I cover a lot of different uh, platforms. Like I mentioned, Obi would be on that list, but luckily uh, I'm one of the few (laughs) that get to talk to him on a regular basis. (laughs) Yeah. And now you guys are just buddies. It's like texting. Yeah, Ryan. Sorry. We're just, we're just friends. Yeah. We're just friends. (laughs) Means nothing now. It's the, the the magic is lost. Uh, What's next for uh, Alexa Lanistoy? Not to put oh you gosh. on the spot, but you know, I mean, yeah, loaded question. Um, <laughs> you know, my, my goal is, you know, every day to just be the best I can be and make sure my shows are, you know, always getting better, always evolving, always giving the fans what they want. I say, I would be so happy if I stayed here the rest of my life and did this job. Cause I absolutely love the guys, love the crew, love the team. I think for me though, you know, with broadcasting, I think it's anyone's dream to keep being better, hopefully be seen on a national platform. So I think in the future, I would love to just expand that coverage, whether that's still doing the Capitals, but doing some things on a national platform as well. Um, and most importantly for me, I love, I've really enjoyed hosting. I have more to bring to the table. You know, I, I can guide the conversation at personality, but also show who I am. Sideline reporting, I love being in arena and being in the atmosphere, but it's tough. You know, you get just like a few seconds to talk and then you're done. So I think for me, you know, the future looks like a combination of all those things with hosting, reporting, doing personality type things, um, and just kind of expanding that platform, like whatever that looks like. 
Have you had a chance to do any between the benches or anything like that yet? I know, I know COVID kind of threw everything like for a loop there. So yeah, not between the benches for me. I do, you know, all the, all the shows around the game, um, do a lot of the interviews outside of that for our coverage, you know, big sit down interviews or sometimes the interviews before the game. Haven't done any in between, in between the glass. That's like an Alan May, Al Kogan thing for us, but who knows? Maybe one day I'll jump down there as well. Uh, (laughs) It could be fun. Yeah. Right on. Um, Do you have any parting advice for anyone looking to get into broadcasting? I think, you know, based on my story earlier, it's just go after it, like create your own opportunities, whatever that looks like. Um, And I think too, you know, just if you're passionate about sports and love talking to people like this job is for you, like, you know, there's some challenges to it. You know, you work holidays, you work weekends, you work nights when most of your friends are all together. Um, so you really got to love what you do, but, but at the same time there's sacrifice, but there's also like so much joy in every day. I'm thinking I get to watch hockey every night. Like that's my job. (laughs) How lucky am I to be able to do that? So I think for, you know, someone looking to get in, it's just keep working hard, be yourself, create your own opportunities. Um, never say no to opportunities and just keep getting better every day. That's sound advice. Uh, Because of that, I will, I will gladly, throw my application in uh, I'm going to the Capitals Canucks game November 29th so if you need an inside man let me know I'll you might see me on the the broadcast laughing at the Canuck fans throwing jerseys on the ice uh, with my 2018 t-shirt on uh, with the Stanley <laughs> Cup um, is there uh, is there a way for people to just kind of connect with you follow you uh, maybe tutorials on the power pony like how can people reach out and say hello to Alexa <laughs> Yeah, maybe we need to get the step-by-step on the the power pony. Uh, no, yeah, on all social platforms, at Alexa Landestoy. You mentioned my website has a lot of my past, and I still need to kind of keep updating that. But um, that's in my Instagram bio, so it's alexalandestoy.com. Um, you could find more of my story. But, yeah, just on those social platforms. And I always say I like to pride myself on getting back to anyone because I was once, you know, someone young wanting to get into the business and – I think was left on, you know, unread by Aaron Andrews as like a 13 year old. And that was like, I was so sad. And I just wanted to know like what it took to be in this career. Obviously she has way more followers than I have and is so busy, but I always like to get back to anyone and help anyone that I can. So just anyone reach out if you have any questions. Um, And yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Well, Alexa, thank you for doing this Uh, on your day off. uh, You took the time. So I really appreciate it and uh, looking forward to, to seeing what Washington can do here moving forward. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for having me on.